Hey, my podcast family, welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. So now we're getting ready to look at our dear brother Paul and how he shepherded the um, early church in the New Testament. So our very first look of look at Paul in him in his um, shepherding other churches we're going to be in the book of Philemon and it's you know it's a book but it's one chapter (laughs) because it is a letter and so I am going to read the entire letter uh, verses 1 through 25 and there's some names in it so be prayerful as I get through this I'm reading from the message bible so here we go the book of Philemon. I, Paul, am a prisoner for the sake of Christ, here with my brother Timothy. I write this letter to you, Philemon, my good friend and companion in this work, also to our sister Aphia, to Artipus, a real trooper, and to the church that meets in your house. God's best to you, Christ's blessing on you. Every time your name comes up in my prayers, I say, oh, thank you, God. I keep hearing of the love and faith you have for the Master Jesus, which brims over to other believers. And I keep praying that this faith will hold in common, we hold in common, keep showing up in the good things we do, and that people recognize Christ in all of it. Friend, you have no idea how good your love makes me feel doubly so when I see your hospitality to fellow believers. That's nice. In line with all of this, I have a favor to ask of you. As Christ's ambassador and now a prisoner for him, I won't hesitate to command this if I thought it necessary, but I'd rather make it a personal request. While here in jail, I fathered a child, so to speak, and here he is, hand-carrying this letter, Onesimus. He was useless to you before. Now he's useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, but it feels like I'm cutting off my right arm in doing so. I want it in the worst way to keep him here as your stand-in to help out while I'm in jail for the message. But I didn't want to do anything behind your back, make you do a good deed that you haven't willingly agreed to. Maybe it's all for the best that you lose him for a while. You're getting him back now for good. And no mere slave this time, but a true Christian brother. That's what he was to me. He'll even be more than that to you. So if you still consider me a comrade in arms, welcome him back as you would me. If he damaged anything or owes you anything, chalk it up to my account. This is my personal signature, Paul, and I stand behind it. I don't need to remind you, do I, that you owe me your very life. Do me this big favor, friend. You'll be doing it for Christ, but it will also do my heart good. I know you well enough to know you will. You'll probably go beyond, go far beyond what I've written. And by the way, get a room ready for me. Because of your prayers, I fully expect to be 
your guest again. Epfras, my cellmate in the cause of Christ, also says hello. Also, my co-workers Mark and Artiscus, Demas, and Luke. All the best to you from the Master, Jesus Christ. So, what do you think about this letter? After I read it, you know what came to mind? That it's really a manifestation of Galatians 3, 28 and 29, where Paul says to that body of believers, there are neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Onesimus, who was a slave, who apparently ran away from Philemon. That's the gist of this letter, isn't it? And to own slaves in Paul's um, time and in Jesus's time, it was common. It wasn't the type of slavery that African-Americans experienced here in America, but people owned slaves. And sometimes it was a type of an indentured servitude or, um, and slaves could be willed and passed down to family members during that era uh, or during this time period. The slaves could buy their freedom back or if they were indentured slaves, they could work off their freedom. And some slaves chose to stay with their masters even after they were, or they, I guess they could buy their slavery back. I mean, buy their um, freedom back, they decided to stay to stay. So there were slaves in this era and apparently Anisimus was one of them. But he left. <laughs> and we don't know why he left. I guess he didn't want obviously he didn't want to be a slave anymore. I don't know. The letter doesn't address all that because it's not important. Um but I think this letter teaches us several things and it shows us how Paul shepherds the early church. And then we can see what we can apply from his, his shepherding to us today. First, it shows us that Paul looks at people through the lens of Christ. That's what Galatians 3, 28 and 29 is that I just read. All of the distinctions that we have, you know, that we've created in an attempt to make ourselves better than others. It doesn't exist in God's kingdom. We are all one. We're equal. Hence, Christ died for us all. And remember, he, they made mankind in God's image. We're all one. So we can stop all of the comparison. Two, Paul never missed an opportunity, and I'm saying to live for Christ and allow others to see Christ in him. That's him preaching the gospel. And he knew that his mission, his calling, was to take it to the Gentile community. And so Paul never missed an opportunity to share Christ. Onesimus came to him. And Paul is in jail at this time. It's um, thought that he was either um, in Rome in prison or in Ephesus, I think I read. But he's in prison during this time. (laughs) And so Onesimus found himself in jail as well. And Paul took the opportunity to preach. He preached everywhere. So there were more than just prisoners um, um, like Onesimus. Other people came to know Christ too during that time. But Paul didn't miss an opportunity. And in 
spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, Onesimus came to know Christ and now he is a brother. So he came as a slave. Paul was sending him back as a brother. And my mother um, used to say, you know, when you go to someone's house or when you stay in someone's place, you leave it better than you left it. Well, that's kind of what Paul is doing. You came to him one way, but you were going to go out different. Paul, preaching the gospel, never missing an opportunity. Third, Paul brings things to the table. Confrontation. Remember, we learned that that isn't a dirty word anymore. So Paul, in this letter, is dealing with the 100-pound elephant that will be in the room the moment Onesimus returns back to that body of believers. He was a slave, and now he's coming back. And we don't know what penalties or punishment um, was to be enforced. We don't know any of that. Paul is saying discount it. Paul knows that. That's why he's writing this letter. He is using the authority that he has to set the stage for how he wants Onesimus to be received. In the army, we have this motto called, follow me, because leaders don't lead from behind. We have to be up front setting the example. We don't send our soldiers anywhere that we wouldn't go. We don't, do, we don't ask of our soldiers anything to do that we ourselves wouldn't be willing to do. And so Paul is setting the stage. I've already accepted Onesimus as my brother. And I recognize the gifts that he has. And I'm sending him back so that you can do that also. Paul also sets the stage for calling in the favor, right? Because we all have free choice. Philemon could reject, you know, what Paul is asking him to do. And so that's why Paul reminds him that, hey, remember you owe me too. Just in case there was a little bit of hesitation on Philemon's side to maybe receive Onesimus in with open arms. And we could look at it figuratively speaking when Paul says, remember you owe me your very life. Isn't that like a bond servant, like a slave? So in essence, Paul is saying, you're not too far removed from where Onesimus was. You're a slave to me. You're a slave to Jesus Christ. And I've given you your freedom. Christ has given you freedom. Now we're going to do the same thing for Onesimus. I leave, I, I think this letter goes to the heart of also exercising peace in community, right? Recalling that peace is an element of the fruit of the Spirit, which was season one, correct? Paul wants the body of believers in Colossae because that's where it is believed that Philemon was. He wants peace in that community because Onesimus returning had the potential to blow up and erupt, right? And he wanted that body of believers in Christ to take full advantage of the talents and gifts that Onesimus had to be used in that body of Christ. And so that's Sometimes we, we forget that when we start rejecting people based on whatever reason we, we put up, we lose part of the benefit of getting the talents that God has placed in them. And Paul didn't want any fighting in that community. So let us look at our homes to apply all of these principles. Let's look at our homes. Are we comparing our children to one another? That's not good right? We're all one in Christ. 
comparing the children. Maybe we're comparing ourselves to other siblings. That's not good. It causes strife. And remember, it wasn't that far in the Bible where we see Cain and Abel. Cain was jealous of his brother, right? And then we travel down and we see Jacob showing favoritism to um, Joseph. Comparing ourselves to others or comparing others to each other is just not good because God made us all individuals and he was happy when he made us. There is no division in the body of Christ. There are no big eyes and there are no little U's. We shouldn't have that in our homes and we should strive to be peacemakers wherever we go. When you bring peace in the home, or when you bring peace in the workplace, you're actually the bridge, the conduit, just as Paul is the conduit here. Onesimus stands on one side, there's Paul, and then there's Philemon. And Paul is ushering Onesimus over to the other side as an example as to this is how it should occur. Unhealthy um, comparisons aren't good. They don't allow us to to have harmony in our homes. They don't allow us to have harmony in the workplace. As a caregiver, that's a perfect storm, isn't it? For strife and all sorts of craziness to occur. And when it does, take a step back. Chat with the Lord. See what it is that you can do to usher in peace. Make sure you're not the one who's causing the strife. And then step back in and be the bridge for peace. Remember, sometimes, I think most times, it's good to address the 400 elephant that's in the room. Because everyone needs to get a good understanding of what's going on. And just because people have different talents, it doesn't make them better than anyone else. We are all one in the body of Christ. And he has given us these talents so that we could grow together for the purpose of allowing the world to see what his kingdom looks like. And so let's remember that. But we have to start right close to where we are in our hearts, in our homes, and then we spread out into our communities. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come thanking you today for this wonderful example of leadership in display in the early church of the Apostle Paul not being afraid to take a stand and being an example of your love, showing us that there you have no favorites, that you created all of us in your image and you love us. Help us to remember that. Help us to push back on the world when it tries to tell us that certain people don't deserve certain things. Help us to remember that We, before you came to us, we were dead in our sin. We were just knee deep in it. And now, Father, we come to you and we are new creatures. And because of that, we can look to others. Help us to be able to bring peace into situations, not to cause strife, but to bring peace and to usher in your love. And wherever we can, help our lives to be examples of your gospel. Bless the caretakers who are out there. You know exactly what they're going through. Give them peace 
Speak to their hearts. Help them hear you say that you love them. Bless their loved ones. We love you and we praise you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Alrighty, I will see you tomorrow. Go and minister the act of caregiving. In the name of Jesus.